0: Welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. I'm taping this. It is Wednesday, February 1st, late afternoon, about almost 4.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, got some good things to, to discuss on the pod here. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating and a review as well. And make sure you go out there and support the people that support the pod. Shout out to Runzo. Shout out to Pella. Incredible partners for me. Been really loyal. Uh, so, shouts out to them. Okay. Here we go. So I've gotten a handful of emails and tweets uh, regarding Fred Hoiberg and his job status and all that, uh, especially after I did, my, I, I had a pod, I, I dropped it uh, last week on Juwan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel and, and their injuries and the impact to the team and all that. And certainly a lot of people are talking about Nebraska basketball, Fred Hoiberg, as obviously I just said, the calendar is into February. There's only about, you know, 10, 9, 10 games left, 8, 9, 10 games left, uh, so people are talking about Fred Hoiberg and and things moving forward. So I figured I'd give my quick take on it. Um, so so here's 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 my my thought. It I I don't think Fred Hoiberg will be fired. I don't think Fred Hoiberg should be fired. This is how I see it. There's a lot to this. First of all, after three years at Nebraska and a decade as a as a basketball coach at various levels, NBA, college, Iowa State, Chicago Bulls, and coaching and winning a certain way. Fred Hoiberg showed a willingness to make changes, and those changes made a huge difference. Basically brought in, he has an, an almost an entirely new coaching staff. Uh, there's a whole new identity to the program. It, it, this this program went from all finesse and offense and trying to outscore you to defense and toughness, right? Like even Chris Collins, I, I, I was talking to the Northwestern head coach. I had that game Northwestern Nebraska, uh, and, and I was talking to Chris Collins at shoot around, and he even brought it up. He goes, "Hey man, I've been trying to tell the guys, I've been trying to tell the guys this isn't the, like the old Nebraska that just was going to try to score ninety points and that, that's it, like that." When I when Chris Collins told me that, I'm like, man, that's that's telling, right? So went from all offense, all finesse, all that stuff, trying to outscore you, to defense and toughness. And I think those changes will serve Fred Hoiberg well moving forward for for a variety of reasons, but I'll throw out two. Number one, I, I think this team, when full strength, how they played resonated with the fan base. Like, there's no question about that. And two, Fred Hoiberg still knows offense and knows it really well. He, once he gets some more offensive firepower and talent to go along with that defensive grit that he's now cultivating and creating and, and trying to to build up, I do like that combination. Think about if Fred Hoiberg would get a lot of the 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 right pieces offensively, which is you know it's a big if because he hasn't been able to do it consistently enough here. And with his mind offensively combined with now this defense that is that is. And and the toughness that is, as those the foundation's been laid there. I like that combination quite a bit. I really do. Uh, also, you, we, you have to consider the injury situation. You, you just have to like Derek Walker missed the first five games of the season. Plays Cada missed has missed a bunch of games with an ankle injury. Uh, Sam Greasel missed the first two Big Ten uh, missed two Big Ten games, uh, Indiana and, and uh, Purdue. And then, obviously, the two big ones, Bandamel and Gary, are both out and injured and done for the year. And I, I talked about it the last pop but those two guys, Gary and Bandamel, they were the essence of this Nebraska team. No, they weren't the two best players. That's Walker and Greasel. But Gary and Bandamel were the identity tone setters for this team. They were the two best defensive players. And who Nebraska fundamentally is as a team now changes with those guys out. So... I get it, man. Nick, everybody deals with stuff. I get it. Every team deals with stuff, but injuries have to count for something when you assess things, right? It just does. All I know was when this team was full strength, which they weren't for very long. Because Walker was out, and then he came back, and then you know Griezels was out for a few games, and then Gary gets hurt, and then Banda gets hurt. But when this team was full strength, they beat Creighton at Creighton, smashed Iowa at home, beat Ohio State, and then almost beat the number one team in the country and the Purdue Boilermakers, and taking them to overtime. I mean, so the injuries have to uh, have to account in how you're assessing all this stuff. Next point: Nebraska currently has ten wins. They lost at Illinois last night, uh, but the, Nebraska has ten wins. Nebraska had 10 wins for the entire year last year. And I think, I really believe this, Nebraska was going to win three, four more games down the stretch here if they were full strength, maybe even five, like uh, especially at home. If they wouldn't have gotten hurt, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, Maryland, all winnable, very winnable games at home. So I think Nebraska was poised to potentially win, you know, 13, 14, 15 games this year, which would have been progress. Would have been progress. And also, some more things to think about. Nebraska's played a ridiculously tough schedule. Ken Palm strength of schedule ranking. Nebraska's ranked number two in all of college basketball. 300 and whatever, 58, 360 Division one basketball teams. Nebraska's played the second toughest schedule, according to Ken Palm. So it's not like they're playing a bunch of Frosted Flakes University. They're playing tough teams. So you have to take that into consideration. And then you have to think about the decision maker with this thing, too. Of course, I'm talking about Trev Alberts. You know how there's that that kind of corny, cheesy saying of, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Well, I think with how Trev Alberts handled Scott Frost is kind of a window into how he may handle Fred Hoiberg. I think he kind of showed us how he wants to handle these situations. So believe him. Like, I think Trev showed us who he is in that regard. He can make tough decisions, right? But he is slow to hit the blow-up button. He's slow to fire. He has he showed that he is going to err on the side of supporting his coaches trev in my opinion has showed that he doesn't want to just fire a coach until it's absolutely positively no other choice but to do so it needs to be obvious for trev and let's be honest to stick with football for a second, let's be honest. After the one and two start to the football season, you know, the Northwestern onside kick debacle in Dublin, getting 45 points and 600 yards hung on him at home and losing to Georgia Southern in Memorial Stadium, not to mention kind of a dogfight with North Dakota sandwiched in between those two games. But after the Georgia Southern loss, like it was obvious that a change needed to be made. So Trev then made a change. I don't think it was obvious after. The end of year four with with how the you know the the three and nine year all the crazy losses all this stuff I don't think it was obvious and I think that's why Trev was like listen I'm not going to pull the plug on this thing until it is absolutely 100% obvious. It had to be that way, and I kind of think that's how he'll approach this Fred Hoiberg situation too. Again, you go all Hallmark cheesy when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Well, to me, Fred is or Trev has kind of showed who he is in this regard, so I'm going to believe him. So a part of why the whole thing of I say is I don't think Hoyberg will be fired. I don't think sh- he should be fired. The first part of that comment is because I think Trev has kind of shown us how he handles these situations. R- like right now, given how the season went, the changes that were made with the staff and the identity of the program, the the tough schedule, how the team looked when they were at full strength and the brutal injuries to key players. I don't think it's obvious right now. I I, I really don't. I think Trev liked this basketball team. And I think the little anecdote to prove that point was the social media video that he put out of Trev giving Juwan Gary and Emmanuel Bandemel black shirts. I think that is a window into how Trev was loving this team and how they were playing. Remember, Trev is big on that whole line of our teams need to reflect the values of Nebraskans, right? He's given that line numerous times. Introductory press conference, press conference when. Uh, when he fired Scott Frost, press conference, when he hired Matt Rule, he has talked about it a, t- a ton. Our teams need to reflect the values of Nebraskans, And with this basketball team was full strength. I think they did. I think it's why I said a second ago, this, this team resonated with the fan base and that stuff matters to Trev as well. I, th- I think he's shown that. Plus, Let's be honest here. This isn't meant to, to you know, insinuate that Trev Alberts or Nebraska doesn't care about basketball at all or anything like that. But l- let's just be real clear about something. Trev's career as an athletic director at Nebraska is tied to the decisions he made he just made with the football program. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza and the cold winter months. It's officially here. And as a warm weather lover myself, the cold can kind of bum me out. But the one thing that always puts a huge smile on my face when it gets cold, Temperature Tuesdays at Runza. Yes, it's that time of the year. Temperature Tuesdays are back at Runza, where every Tuesday in January and February, the 6 a.m. temperature at the coldest Runza location is the price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you buy a medium fry and medium drink. Think about it. An original Runza sandwich might be 10 cents. A dime, might be a nickel, might be a quarter. Heck, might even be one penny. Just one penny. So make sure you take advantage of this incredible deal every single Tuesday at Runza, where the temp at 6 a.m. in Runza land is the price you pay for an original Runza sandwich and you buy a medium fry and a medium drink. It's back, baby! Temperature Tuesdays! Runza makes it all better. Travis got a lot on his plate. With the hiring of Matt Rule, the opening of this $150 million facility, and getting this football program back rolling. If Rule fails, guess what? Trev is likely gone. That's just usually how this thing works. Steve Peterson hired Bill Callahan. Callahan fired. Steve Peterson fired. Tom Osborne hired Bo. Bo fired. Tom Osborne, very layered thing there. But then Tom Osborne retires, right? Sean Eichhorst hires Mike Riley. Riley fails. Eichhorst fired. Bill Moose hires Frost. Frost fails and is fired. And then Moose had that bizarre exit a couple of summers ago. But he would have been fired. Let's be honest. If Bill Moose was still here, it would have been night-night. It's not naive. Let me rephrase this. It's naive to not think that the same fate won't exist for Trev and Matt Rule. They're tied together. And I think Trev understands that. So given all of that, I don't think Trev wants to make another big coaching move if he doesn't absolutely 100% have to. And then th- this may be an uncomfortable Aspect to kind of discuss because I don't know I don't know if uncomfortable is right the, the right thing but I'm I, I I was thinking about this and you and people listen this may completely disagree but th- I think the reality of the situation is this too there are certain coaches and certain situations that you just wait a smidge longer than you maybe ordinarily would. Let's be honest. This isn't a hot take. People have said it for a while. If Scott Frost isn't former Husker quarterback, national title winner, local Nebraskan, no way he gets a year five and likely doesn't get a year four, to be real honest with you. But he was. He is Scott Frost. He is a former Husker national champion quarterback, local Nebraska. Frost was different. Than Callahan and Riley and Bo Pelini. He just was. He just was. And I think Fred Hoiberg is the same in that school of thought. Fred Hoiberg's different. This is Fred Hoiberg. Born in Lincoln, grandfather was head coach in Nebraska, all-time famous college basketball player at Iowa State, played 10 years in the NBA, served in the NBA front office, took Iowa State to four NCAA tournaments in five years, including a trip to the Sweet 16 and two Big 12 tournament titles, was the head coach of the Chicago freaking Bulls for four years. Let's be real honest. Doc Sadler doesn't have that resume. Tim Miles doesn't have that resume. Barry Collier doesn't have that resume. Good guys, but they ain't Fred Hoiberg ain't Fred Hoiberg so to circle back to what I just said sometimes there are certain coaches and certain situations that you just wait a smidge longer than usual you just slow eh, you know if this is if if this is uh Doc Sadler is head coach and I love Doc but like if this yeah maybe you make a move You know, if if this is Mike Riley instead of Scott Frost, yeah, there's a reason Riley was fired after three years. Not saying it's right or wrong, but it's reality. There are certain people, certain situations, certain coaches, certain whatever, that you're just, you're going to give them a little longer. You're going to give them a little longer. I think Fred Hoiberg is one of those guys. yes. Fred Hoiberg has struggled at Nebraska. He's really strong. But again, I still sometimes can't believe he's actually here in Lincoln as the head coach at, of the Nebraska basketball program. Sometimes I, I remember during the coaching search, I, I remember during the coaching search, the name Fred Hoiberg would get brought up. Well, what about Hoiberg? And I, I would like laugh my ass off. Like, yeah, right. What, what, coach K not available. Fred Hoiberg ain't coming to freaking Nebraska. That was my reaction at the thought of Fred Hoiberg. Well, he's here. He is in Lincoln. A guy with that kind of basketball resume. You're going to give that guy a little more time to get it right. You're going to give that guy a little more time. But I will also say this. All that stuff was said, you know, about Scott Frost, too. By me and Bo we were, like, all that stuff was said, deserves more time, let him make some changes. Yeah, you know, come on, he's Scott freaking Frost, man. You don't fire him unless it's absolutely 100% obvious. Well, guess what? It became obvious. Again, I think Fred Hoiberg should come back, but what Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska can't afford what Hoiberg can't afford to have happen here down the stretch in these last eight games is what unfolded with Frost, where things fell apart so bad that Trev Alberts had no choice but to make a move. There is a part of me that, a big part of me, that believes that Frost was going to keep his job as long as things just didn't completely fall apart to a disastrous level. And they, unfortunately, they did. Unfortunately, they did. I really believe all, if you don't kick the onside kick, you beat Northwestern, you find a way to beat Georgia Southern, you maybe find a way to win three more games and you get to sit. Like, I think Frost would have, he was going to be here. That's what I think. But things so colossally fell apart that, Trev, it became obvious. So, and I think the same school of thought for Hoyberg right now in that what can't happen, I think Hoiberg is safe right now. But what can't happen is for Nebraska to just get 30-pieced a whole bunch down the stretch. Like, Nebraska can't just get their teeth kicked in and not even be competitive in these final eight games or whatever it is now. Can't th- th- Then all of a sudden, things could get dicey. And I know, I mean, Jawan Gary Miller out, and that is a huge deal. Trust me, I did a whole pod about it. Go check it out. Go listen. I know it's a huge deal. But even with that, you still have Derek Walker and Sam Griesel. You still got a couple of home games against some teams that are eh, Minnesota. You already beat them at their place. I think the only way that this whole situation becomes potentially dicey for Trev Alberts and Fred Hoiberg is if Nebraska has the equivalent of what happened with Frost at the start of the football season, where things just fall apart in a colossal, embarrassing manner, where they are getting blasted, blown out, not competitive at all in these final eight games and they look they're just getting dismantled because you you limp to the finish line getting crushed and in the season like that that's a that could be a tough situation to navigate for everyone involved again I think Fred Hoiberg isn't going to get fired and I don't think Fred Hoiberg should get fired I think a guy like Fred Hoiberg, someone with an incredible basketball resume, someone who was an awesome person, someone who made big changes to his program last year. And I think the positive results of those changes deserve more time to see what they can do. I think that guy deserves to come back. I really do. Now I get it. Like walkers leave it. Walker's gone. Greasel's gone. bandamel has gone. Like you're going to have to go into the portal and you're going to have to probably, you know, you're, you're going to have to flip the roster again. Like I get all that. That's kind of also the nature of the beast right now for a lot of different uh, basketball teams. Right? So that's not new. There's a lot of teams are going to have to kind of revamp things, you know, but like, keep in mind, how about that? I mean, Nebraska was all set to land Keontae Johnson, who's at Kansas State, who's like going to be a first team, all big 12 player who is in Kansas State's one of the, you know, one of the surprise, amazing teams in the country. And you could point to Johnson as a reason why Keontae Johnson was going to come to Nebraska, but there were some issues with getting him cleared because he was had that the, the heart issue when he was at Florida during COVID and. So, I guess I bring that up to be like, listen, Fred was close to landing that cat. And think if that guy was here. Well, you got to go out there. I know it's hard. You got to go out there and find another Keontae Johnson. I mean, it's, listen, there's, there's, I'm not saying this situation like Fred's got a great situation on his roster coming back right now. I don't think that's the case. But that, but there are a lot of teams that are going to have to fill a lot of holes and revamp things. One, One final thought here on, like, this is kind of a deeper thought. Like, I don't even know if this matters, but I don't know. I thought I just was thinking it. I, I think... You know, I keep on bringing up Frost because I keep on thinking about, uh, I I try to go about this a lot of different, like there could be what I think, but you got to also crawl into the mind of Trev Alberts and try to anticipate how he's viewed things. And the only way I can try to guess how he's viewing things is what he has shown and how he handles these things. Like I said, the cheesy, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Like I am using a lot of how he handled Scott Frost as a guiding light on how he's probably going to handle Fred Hoiberg. So I keep that, that's why I keep up bringing up Frost here in this pod. But I think, uh, w- with that said, I think Scott Frost, he made changes. I'm giving changes in air quote. Yes, he made them heading into year five. But the further I get removed from them, I think Frost did them not because he wanted to, but because he was kind of made to do them. I don't think he had any desire to give up the offense. I don't think he wanted to give up play calling. I don't think he wanted to be now in the CEO role. I don't think he wanted to do that. But he was kind of forced to do that. Side note, you know what's funny? Well, wow, this is a ridiculous tangent. But side note, you know what's funny is one of the prevailing thoughts after Bo, the Bo Pelini era was, you know, Bo is just he's better suited as a coordinator. That's more his personality. That's more of who he is. Bo is, you know, he's more of a coordinator than he is a head coach. Like his his strengths and weaknesses, like a, a, as a coordinator, his you know the, his weaknesses are are hidden as a head coach, and his strengths are are kind of uh, amplified. You know, Bo, he he he, you know, a lot of the things that came with being a head coach, he, he struggled with couldn't we kind of basically say the same exact things about Scott Frost right now? I kind of think so. I think, I think Frost is a guy that's more so wired to be an offensive coordinator than a head coach. I I, I think that, you know, the central Florida tenure, like, I don't think that was a fluke, but there was a little lightning in a bottle ish stuff going on there. And I, I also think like Frost could kind of fly under the radar in, in Orlando. Like if Central Florida lost, it wasn't the end of the world at Nebraska. It is at Central Florida. Who cares about how he looked or acted or what he said at a Tuesday press conference for when he was at Central Florida? At Nebraska, there's 50 media members there and everyone cares. I think Frost was a guy that he just wants to, he's he's a football dude. He just wants to design a game plan. He wants to call plays, think about offense, and do that. Like, I think that's who he is. I don't think he's suited to handle all the other things with being a head coach, the details, the organization, all those kinds of stuff that are vital for a head coach to be really, really good at. Those are not Scott Frost's strengths. His strength is as a play caller and a play designer. I truly believe he is good at that. Just like Bo is slash was a really good defensive coordinator and defensive mind. But when you when you have to be that and be the head coach, that's when some of your shortcomings, personality-wise, and maybe how you're built come through, and then it becomes a problem. So I just thought, I, I don't know, I think you can say a lot of the same things about Frost that we say about Bo in that regard. Okay, sorry for the change, but back to Frost. I think it's pretty clear that Frost made changes, not because he wanted to, but because he had to in order to keep his job he had to change things he he just did public perception wise like i think frost and trev knew this public perception wise frost couldn't go into year 5 with the exact same situation and people involved and coaches in place and just say ah oh, we're going to try it again he just couldn't do it you just you can't do that can't have four straight losing seasons and be like you know what we're just going to keep things everything the same can't run it back like that so in my opinion frost made changes out of forced self preservation, not because he truly felt like he needed to and wanted to, and through four years into the Big Ten and being a head coach at a power conference level, said, You know what? I've learned that I got to do this. This needs to be here. I need to do that. I need to give up this. I need to be focused on this. I need to maybe, I, I may be too focused on the offense. I need to be more of a CEO so I can have my hands in the, the special teams and this stuff. No, I think he was forced to make all these changes. Out of self preservation, not because he truly learned and wanted to do them. Again, you're telling me Frost wanted to be the CEO? You're you're telling me that, like, he wanted to do that? You're telling me that he, you're telling me Scott Frost wanted to give up his offense, wanted to give up play calling, he wanted to not be involved in, in the offense? No way. So I say all that to say I think Fred Hoiberg is the opposite. I think Fred Hoiberg is the opposite of all that. I think Fred Hoiberg truly learned through three years in the Big Ten Conference that he needed to make changes, that as things were currently constructed, how they were currently going about doing things needed to be changed. I think that that is a sincere thing. So he ditched his main recruiter, Matt Abdelmasi. He hired a new defensive guy on his staff. He, he's learned in the Big Ten, you need to have positional size, you need to have toughness, his team needed more teeth in their defense. So he focused on all of those things. He got bigger, he got tougher. And he, along with his new staff, helped instill a new defensive identity that is really, really paramount in the Big Ten. I think all those things weren't necessarily forced onto Hoiberg. I think he knew after three years in the Big Ten and finishing 14th, 14th, and 13th that what they were doing wasn't working and they needed to change. It can be hard to look yourself in the mirror and be like, this isn't working. I need to revamp what I'm doing. That can be hard to do. And I'm just telling you, the Big Ten is a really unique league. It's different than the Big 12, which is where he was at with Iowa State. The Big 12 is a little more, you know, it's a little more perimeter oriented, a little bit more about talent and scoring. The Big 10 is just different. Like, it's an old school, big man centric, paint, glass, toughness, physicality sort of league. I think Fred Hoiberg came in thinking his way would work because it worked before. It worked at Iowa State. Yielded amazing results. But I think just like Frost came in thinking his way would work in the Big Ten because, listen, I just, you know, I went undefeated in Central Florida. We were killing people in Oregon. You know, AAC is different. Pac-12 is different, just like the Big 12 in basketball is a little different. But for me, my view is that Scott Frost was stubborn when it came to how he viewed the losing and the struggles. I think, I think I don't think Frost ever wanted to really look in the mirror and say, I'm not, what I'm doing isn't working. He, that that's just that that's not who that that's not kind of how he's built. I think he kind of said, "Listen, man, I don't need to adjust anything. My my, my stuff works. This works." That's just kind of who Scott Frost is. But Hoiberg, I think has taken. I think he's different. I think he's taken the struggles, and truly slid them under the microscope, and has said, "Okay, I I didn't know what this league was about. Now I do." It's time for me to adjust, and he has. And it is remarkable how much when I think about last year's team, the idea that if someone would have come like if future Nick would have gone to last year Nick and said, you know Fred Hoiberg's team next year they're going to be some they're going be a defensive kick your ass, tough th- their identity is going to be on that end of the floor kind of a team. I'd have been like, what? No way. Because, A, that's really not who Fred Hoiberg had been. And also because the team that he had last year was so far from that. They were the, such a soft, no attention to detail, no toughness, no teeth to their defense team. So it's it's really amazing that that Hoiberg, the, the amount of progress he made in just one year. So, like I said earlier, I am curious and I am intrigued to see what another year of Fred Hoiberg with these changes and new staff members can do. Again, I know Fred Hoiberg knows offense, and I know he can teach offense. And he and his staff have to find some better offensive players. That's been one of the most puzzling things about this, and this being the Fred Hoiberg era. I figured Fred Hoiberg would go out there, like, at the very least, he would find offensive talent. And he just has struggled to do that. I've, I've been surprised at that. So Nebraska staff needs to do a better job in the recruiting aspect of this thing of finding some a little more offensive firepower. But I have been very impressed with the improvement on the defensive end of the floor. And if Hoiberg can get some more weapons on offense and, and offensive talent, and that's a big if, I, it, it is, But if he can, I like what that whole picture then looks like. So to kind of land the plane here with what was somewhat of a rambled final thought here. I I think there's a difference between someone genuinely changing and wanting to make changes and someone who has no desire to change but is forced to. The chances of truly finding success and sustaining it skyrocket if the change comes from a real sincere genuine place of you wanting to make changes and i think that's fred hoiberg i I, that's where i think fred hoiberg was at and is at i don't think frost was there fred hoiberg is egoless no ego on that guy. It is remarkable that someone as accomplished as he is has zero ego. Even like, even I've noticed a little bit. Like even like Matt Rule, there's like a little. Like when I like I today is it's signing day, so I listened to his press conference. There's a little hint of like little little ego there. There's a little arrogance there. There's a little like um I'm, I'm, I'm smart. I'm I'm the way I do things is way smarter than everybody else. There's a little bit of that. And I get like, dude's been very successful. Like, I understand. I'm not saying little ego isn't terrible. Now, it's, you know, you got to bottle it a little bit. I guess I bring it up to say, Like, I've never, have you ever sensed that Fred Hoiberg is like, like there's any ego at all? None. It is kind of remarkable that someone as accomplished as he is, has zero ego. But you know, like Matt Rule, I get little hints of it. Like eh, okay, there's a, there's a little smartest guy in the room thing going on with him at times. Scott Scott Frost certainly had a very it's just a very interesting disposition and demeanor. A little there definitely some ego there, but because sometimes man, ego can be the number one roadblock to true change and success. Frost had that road blocked, in my opinion. Fred Hoiberg clearly doesn't. So you know, listen. I'm impressed with the changes from him, and and how he's revamped things in a short period of time. And I'm just intrigued to see what what they could look like moving forward. But again, this final month is important. I I don't think Trev Alberts wants to make a change. Like I said, I think I think Trev has shown us that. That he is going to wait until it is absolutely one thousand percent obvious. I don't think I don't think Hoyberg's there yet. I don't think Trev wants to make a change, but the wheels can't completely fall off here in the final month of the season, where you're just you're you're not competitive. You're getting blasted. All those things, like for instance, the Illinois game, like. They were competitive in that game. That game ended up being, what, 14 or 16 points or whatever. But if you watch that game, shoot Nebraska was right there. And it just kind of got away from them at the end. So we'll see how everything plays out. But like I said, man, there are certain coaches and there are certain situations that you just wait a smidge longer than you maybe ordinarily would. You give them a little more time than you maybe ordinarily would. I think Fred Hoiberg's one of those coaches. A basketball resume like that, an accomplished dude like that, a guy that has now made some changes, understand that he has a feel for the league. The changes yielded great results. Now, it's going to be hard to go in the portal and revamp the roster again, but, like, man, if he can go find the right guys in the portal offensively to go along with this kind of defensive foundation that he's he's trying to build, like, I like the I like the way that picture looks. I really do. Certain situations, certain coaches that you just you wait a smidge longer than maybe you ordinarily would. And we combine that school of thought with what Trev has shown, where he's a guy that is, he is, he's going to wait, man. He's going to wait till it's totally obvious. I don't think Fred Hoiberg is going to be fired. I don't think he should be fired. going to be interesting to watch these, this final month. Certainly, deck stacking against this team with Gary and Vandamel out. Going to be challenging. Got to got to finish the season relatively strong, where you're not you're 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 not getting blasted. But that's how I see it. So I've gotten a lot of tweets, a lot of emails, a lot of people talking about it. that. That's where I'm at with it on February first. That that's where I'm at with it. Fred Hoiberg, I think should come back. That's where I'm at. A hey, Heard at Sports Network production.